blow all your material, right? Well, I wouldn't say that on the podcast. Yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, Story Show podcast listeners. Jeremy here. And Angie. And Shane. And uh, yeah, we're here, season four of the Story Show podcast, and we are up to our next story, which is uh, Grandma Marie by Jen Vogt Erickson. And so we'll be sharing that with you in a little bit. Um, but uh, we just want to, again, encourage you to come to our next show, which mm-hmm. is July 25th at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center, 7 p.m. You can get tickets at actonbroadway.com or contact one of us directly from uh, our website or by emailing us at alstoryshow at gmail.com. So this next, uh, the next story is uh, Jen's story. She's written for us a number of times, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's a repeater. Yeah, she really. We were talking earlier today, just what a talented writer she is, and this one in particular was really good. Um, and uh, in this one, she she revisits family history. Yeah, I thought it was really poignant how she tied in her own trying to figure out her own life within the midst of knowing where she came from even though she didn't even know that story and how all sometimes those past experiences are really built into our DNA. On a funny note, I would say that I learned a few years ago that I had a like a super great uncle from Kansas who owned a candy shop, which totally explains my sweet tooth, right? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. I was like, well that that explains that. <laughs> yeah, it's it is interesting and I um you know, in this one, she—I mean, it's—it's it's a family history that just wasn't talked about much yeah. for probably well, as you'll listen to, clear reasons, right? Um, sure. I my family's kind of an open book. We don't have a lot of a lot of things like that, you know, um, at least that I have that I've discovered. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I'm not asking anyone here to uh, you know, oh, reveal my family's deepest, yeah. darkest oh, secrets. Yeah, start, cool, cool. Where's... Your eyes are saying something else, though, but it's fine. <laughs> where do I begin? <laughs> As all my family puckers up. <laughs> but I think I think that's what was lovely about her story was that it's so universal, right? Everyone has a story in their past family. Everyone has the the person that stands out or the person nobody talks about. Uh, I used to think it was just my family. It turns out when I got married, my wife's family, who I thought was really put together, had that too. And so everybody just has this person or this history that informs who they have become. And at the same time, you get to live beyond it. I mean, we're our own people. Yeah, for sure. And I think with with this story, it's maybe a little bit easier for her to revisit the history because it's separated by a couple of generations, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, and sometimes these things don't, you know, aren't really talked about until there's a little space. So when I was little, um, <laughs> this is just like a perfect summary of like, here's Ange as a little kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I was little, I used to go over to my great grandmother's apartment on Saturday mornings and I would clean. But while I was cleaning, um, she would tell me family history stories and I would record them. Wow. And then I would make her lunch at the end of it. My mom would come pick me up at noon because her and I would have lunch. Me and my great grandma would have lunch together, whatever. So, like, I got all of these family stories. So, I sort of became like the de facto family historian. Um, Do you still have these recordings? No, no. I hand wrote them. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, so I would like make little notes and yeah, and and stuff. But um, 
yeah and then that just slowly turned into like scrapbooking and photography and then writing and like all the things we do podcast podcasting, podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean there are stories in there just so many of them are oral and i think as americans we lose a lot of that and I think it's that's one thing I love about podcasting is it's creating this oral history, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shane's ten-year-old uh, daughter was over at her house yesterday, and um, it was her birthday. And my daughter Ava, who's almost six years older, was trying to think of fun things to do to you know help make her day special. And she ended up interviewing her, and she's gonna make she's gonna produce like a little. A little podcast, you know. We're, and we're super excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying over here in the background. This and, is just the best. I wish I was uh, best friends with both of them when I was yeah. <laughs> But Evie said that she likes to interview people too. She does. Uh, she's on a goal this summer to interview uh, all of her friends and family to tell them her tell her their favorite nature story so their favorite experience they've had in nature and so we've all done ours at our house and now she's kind of expanding that was her responsibility yesterday and then ava spun it on her so they are two of a kind <laughs> now, now that you mentioned that Man. she she did bring it up but they just had so much going on i mean i think they bolted for ice cream you I know believe after, that's true. after that so <laughs> wow yeah so great so speaking of oral histories um Here's our next story from the January 2019 story show. This is Grandma Marie by Jen Vogt Erickson. Jen spends much of her time reading, writing, avoiding housework, and managing her six-year-old daughter's prolific production of art. She's getting pretty good at decluttering, but is unsuccessfully cutting her book collection at a net rate of plus one per week. She may enjoy cooking once again when both of her children will finally eat food that is touching other food. (laughs) Grandma Marie by Jen Vogt Erickson. What are the odds that a three-pound newborn girl whose mother is dying of tuberculosis will survive. This is the story of a woman who gave a tiny baby shelter and became a cornerstone of my family. In the early 1890s, a 20-year-old Norwegian woman embarked for the US with her 18-year-old brother. They left their parents to join their older sister who had emigrated to South Dakota. Young Marie traveled with a lunchbox in which she carried a last bunch of wildflowers and seashells she had gathered from her island home. The siblings would have been welcomed by the still coppery brown mother of exiles bearing a torch for them as they entered the New York Harbor. Then they boarded a train, days later reaching their final destination on tracks spanning recently harvested timbers. I'm not related to this young woman, but her journey became mine. Marie eventually settled just north of Sioux Falls and married another Norwegian immigrant named Herman Munson. She became a caregiver to his aunt and an informal nurse to the local doctor. The Munsons weren't able to have children of their own, and this fact is likely why I, a century later, was able to visit the fjords that Marie had said goodbye to. You see, 
Marie became close friends with a woman named Hannah, who ran a meat market with her husband Gustav, a tall, handsome son of successful Norwegian immigrant farmers. Unlike Marie, Hannah had children one after another, a girl, a boy, and then expecting a new baby. She had a serious problem though. She had tuberculosis, and now her health was rapidly deteriorating, her hopes of recovery growing dim. Her husband reportedly spared no expense for medical treatment, even selling their business. Hannah made plans for her children. Her toddler daughter would go to her aunt. Her little son would go to her mother. And then she went by train to Minneapolis, and the doctor determined there was nothing more he could do for her. She stayed in a hospital near Minnehaha Falls until she gave birth to her last child, a severely underweight, full-term baby girl. And then they were both sent home to die. This seems shocking now, but it was 1911, nearly 50 years before the first NICU opened. More than one in 10 newborns at that time didn't live to their first birthday. Hannah wrote a goodbye letter in pencil addressed to my dearest children on the train back to South Dakota. She was 28 and she had less than a month to live. Hannah had asked Marie to take care of her baby and the doctor gave Marie instructions to just keep the tiny girl, hastily christened Hazel, comfortable. Marie devised a rudimentary incubator by keeping her in a shoebox on her open oven door. That and the sultry July weather of eastern South Dakota kept her sufficiently warm. The baby continued to fight for life after her mother died. Her father's grief turned to fever, gold fever that is, and he left for the Yukon. Now, if you have guessed that Hazel is my grandmother, you are right. Perhaps it seems odd now for a father to virtually abandon his young children, especially a fragile one, but maybe it wasn't that unusual for the time. Men were considered providers then, not nurturers. Gustav, as it turns out, wasn't really either of these. He was, though, a ladies' man. While he didn't strike gold, he found a beautiful Norwegian immigrant woman named Hilborg working in a Chinese laundry in Alaska. Stories of Gustav vary. Had he been a devoted husband who struggled in his bereavement and never fully recovered? This is the way my mother framed Grandpa Gust, perhaps a bit romantically. I could give him the benefit of the doubt, but I also know this. He had had a child out of wedlock before he married my great-grandma Hannah, and he neglected to mention any of his four children to Hilborg, who would soon become his new bride. Hilborg did not take this surprise well when he took her back to South Dakota and Hannah's children came to their doorstep to greet her. That's how she found out. <laughs> by now, Hazel was still dwarfed by her older siblings, as she would always be, but she was holding her own. Before long, Gust and Hilborg had a baby daughter. Hilborg moved to her brother's homestead claim in Montana for a time, returned to Gust in South Dakota, and eventually took her child back to Norway when she became pregnant again. She stayed long enough for her older daughter to complete a year of school in Norway, and I think she wanted to stay there, but her father 
finally told her that she belonged with her husband. If I know one thing about Hilborg, it's this. She carried her weight and then some, and she was not given shelter. When Hilborg was forced to return to South Dakota, Gust asked Marie to give Hazel back to them. At the age of 10, she would have been a great help to her stepmother. Marie said no. Even if Marie was attached to Hazel, as she surely was, what right did she have to brazenly say no? Though she had legal custody, she had not adopted Hazel. Was it Marie's loyalty to Hannah? Was it knowing Gust too well? I think it was both. She told Gust, I made a promise to Hannah to take care of Hazel, and I intend to keep it. <clears throat> Hilborg had two more children within a few years, and while she had been in Norway, my great-grandfather was rumored to have had another child out of wedlock. This was an open secret in their tiny town, and Hazel grew up in a household separate from, yet nearby, her two full siblings and at least five half-siblings. Hazel was somewhat insulated from the drama her father had created, but she by no means lived in the lap of luxury. She did hard menial work for Marie and Herman, especially once they opened a restaurant. My grandmother was up in the morning to bake long before school started, and after school, she waited tables and cleaned. She dropped out of high school in her junior year to work full-time in the family business. In 1930, Marie and Herman moved to North Dakota to farm near Marie's brothers. Hazel was 19 years old by this time, and she could have easily stayed behind. Marie had cultivated Hazel's relationships with her large extended family that lived in that area. This is the point at which I see Hazel lift her lamp of loyalty to Marie, affirming the choice that Hannah had made nearly 20 years earlier. The high northern prairie is not an easy place to put down stakes in any case, and the Great Depression followed them like a shadow. These were hard, hard times. My grandmother Hazel worked out, much different meaning back then, and used her culinary skills to help earn wages for the family. We have a letter she sent to Marie when she was working in a cook car, and she enumerates the pies and pans of bread and dozens of donuts that she made each morning. She sent Herman and Marie money out of her wages, a dollar at a time. These dollars paid the taxes on the land, so the Munsons didn't lose their farm when the crops failed. Sometimes it happens like this, that the one you give shelter to will later be the one who rescues you. Hazel married as the Depression eased and had five children in quick succession. My mother has early memories of her grandma Marie, by then in her 70s and widowed, living in a small house on the farmstead. When Marie died shortly after, my grandparents moved a bigger house to the site and took over the farm. This is where my grandmother Hazel dropped anchor, having finally made it through the most uncertain times of her life, and she lived to be a diminutive 80-year-old lady who still baked buns from scratch for her grandchildren. Her life itself would likely have been so very, very short without her mother's friend. Mm -mm. 
whom she considered her biggest godsend. The woman she always called Mama. Marie Munson. That family was our family's harbor. <clears throat> Excuse me, for over 50 years, the place we gathered in the summer from far-flung states and the place one of my cousins still lives on and farms with his young family. All of this came to be because Grandma, <clears throat> Grandma Marie kept her promise to a dying mother to shelter her undersized and imperiled infant daughter. Thank you. The Give Me Shelter Story Show was produced by Angie Zoller-Barker, for whom life is a song. Here's Angie as a little kid. <laughs> and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. Please visit our webpage at thestoryshow.org and subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Just search for The Story Show in quotes and you'll find us. Thanks. <laughs>